feel that what I've got to say this morning just is a continuation really from, from what we've already been doing in worshiping God, encountering his Holy Spirit. So I don't want to distract from that, but I want to help maybe explain that and help us to press in more with that. So um, my name is Mark. I'm one of the leaders here at Christ Central. It's great to welcome you here. We've been going through Ephesians while I've been preaching, and uh, we're in Ephesians chapter 4. Um, I'm going to skip the summary of where we've been at. Let's get straight into reading um, chapter 4. We'll, we'll read verses 1 through 10, um, and, then we'll, and then we'll get straight into it. It says this, As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you there to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That's why he said, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does it mean he ascended, except he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Um, those last few verses are what we're going to be looking at this morning. Paul began chapter 4 by speaking about humility and appropriate response to God's love. We looked at that last time. And, uh, you know, we need, we need to understand God's love for us. We need to understand who God is. We need to know um, just how much God loves us. That there's no one who's following Jesus here who is loved more than you. No one is loved more than you. Um, many people don't believe that God loves them. But you are as close to God as anyone else in this room if you love Jesus. Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. You're in Him. You're in Him. That's where you are. That's where I am. That's what actually unites us. We're united in him. But does that unity mean that we're all clones in the church, that we're all exactly the same? Actually, no, not at all. And that's where this passage comes in because Paul says, but to each one of us, grace has been given. So yes, there's a unity. And he talks about gifts and grace being given as Christ apportioned it, just as Christ apportioned it. So we've got so much that unites us, but then Paul's starting to talk about some of the distinctions. It doesn't mean that we're identical. It doesn't mean that there aren't different gifts that are given out. It doesn't mean that there aren't different responsibilities given to each of us. To each one of us, grace has been given just as Christ apportioned it. Now, of course, we've all received grace in terms of our salvation. None of us deserved it. None of us deserved it. All of us received it. We didn't earn any piece of our relationship with God. He looks at completely undeserving people and he says, I love you. We're completely undeserving and he says, I love you. And that, that doesn't actually, that, that love of God, it doesn't show how valuable we are. It doesn't show how special we are. It shows how special God is. It points to him. It shows his love, shows so much about his grace 
so much about his mercy, that he would come to us and he would lift us up from where we are and where we were. And, and Paul's already said we were dead in our sins. Oh, Christ would lift us up from that, adopt us into his family, bless us immensely. So we've all received this saving grace from God. But Paul's really talking about the particular gifts, the particular anointings that God gives. He's already talked about himself in chapter 3. He says, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. The particular responsibility he's been given. The particular mission that he's being on. And what he's saying now is that each one of us has received different gifts, particular grace gifts from God. Now, when we say that, you might be sitting there thinking, I don't think he's given me any gifts. That's, that's a very natural response. I don't think I've got anything. I don't feel maybe I've been overlooked. Maybe other people have got things, but not so much me. Some of us might be thinking it out of insecurity. Does God really love me? Actually, God's shown he's loved you at the cross. Some of us might even think it out of humility. Oh, well, I'm not going to. Listen, that's not humility. Actually, Jesus says, gifts have been given to you. You're kind of arguing with God if you say he hasn't. Each one of us has received gifts as an expression of God's grace just as he appointed it, just as he appointed it, just as he apportioned it. Last week, we had a potluck at the church. It was great. It was really good. Many of us stayed. If you missed it, it was good. You missed out. There was, there'll be another one. <laughs> there'll be another one in April. Come to it. Now, when we have a potluck, this is what happens sometimes, because it all gets laid out on the octagon of love, and it all gets laid out on tables back here. And um, you'll never live that one down, Ollie, will you? That. <laughs> And some people, what they do is they look, oh, I'm going to go and see what there is. So they go and scope it out beforehand. I saw some of the kids scoping it out during Joe's message, maybe even trying bits out during Joe's message. <laughs> but we go and we scope it out. We have a look. We see what there is. And then we know. Because there's nothing worse than filling your plate up and getting to the end. Oh, I really wanted that one. So, and then as soon as the potluck starts, then we can go and we can pick out what we want. We can look and we can get what we want. It's a bit like that on a smaller scale when you go to someone's house. I've noticed this. There's a bit of a difference actually here. I've noticed it's a bit stereotypical, but a bit of a difference between Canada and the UK in my experience. Mostly in Canada, if you go to someone's house for a meal, it's a bit like a smaller version of the potluck. You kind of have everything laid, put on a table, and you come with your plate, and you can take things as you want them. Oh, I'll have some salad, I'll have some meat, I'll have some of this. That, that tends to be my experience, and certainly that can happen sometimes. It's not always like that in the UK. Often if you go to a home in the UK, you sit at the table and your host will bring you out a plate full of the meal that they have cooked. And they've, they've, put, they've put it on the plate for you. And you just get presented with the plate. Now. When you get presented with the plate, you might look at it and think, oh, there's some things on there that I really love. And you might even wish you had more of them. <laughs> you might think, oh, they've got a bigger serving than me. I love roast potatoes. It's one of the things that I really love. I was, oh, two roast potatoes. They've got three. They've got three. I want three. 
Or you might, you might get presented with something that you don't really like. I'm not a huge fan of chili beans, just so you know. I like chili, I'm not so keen on the beans. Sometimes you just get, I get, oh, I've got a huge plate of chili, and there's about 50 chili beans in there. <laughs> then I have to pick, pick them up. I know, I don't really like chili. You've got to pick them all out. I feel really bad, because like there was chili at the potluck last week, I, I just didn't take any. <laughs> but if you get it presented, oh, how am I going to get through all of this chili? You know, it's, it's, in some ways, it's better to be able to choose what you want. You might think that, you know, Joe doesn't like things with, with raisins in. There were some, um, there were some things, uh, some desserts with raisins in there last week. Joe just said, I'm going to leave them all for the Brits. <laughs> when he comes round to our house at Christmas time, we'll just serve him with a mince pie. He's going to be struggling. <laughs> it's a little awkward. <laughs> there are some meals where we take what we want, and there are some meals where it's apportioned to us, where it's given to us. That is the model that Christ has used. Not that he favors Brits. It just goes with that model. That's what, <laughs> that's what he does. It, we get gifts as Christ has apportioned them. Christ doesn't just spread out all the gifts and say, take what you want. And you might be able to express that you like or you would like certain things. It says eagerly desire some of the gifts. Um, but he doesn't just say, oh, pick what you want. Actually, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. So he decides what he wants to give us. He tells us what our place in the body is. We might wish we were a different body part. We might think, oh, I wish I was an arm. Well, no, you're just as much part of the body, but you're not an arm. You might wish you were an eye. Every part of the body is equally valued. And Christ sometimes says, well, you are an arm, and I'm giving you things, practical things to do that as an arm you can do. Maybe you're an eye, so I'm giving you seeing gifts so you can discern things, you can have insight into things to help the body. Maybe you're a mouth so you can speak truth to people and things like that. Christ apportions different gifts within the church. Each one of us has gifts. Each one of us has different gifts. It's good to know what God's given us. And Paul says in Romans 12, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Don't think, oh, I can do it all. I'm, I'm, I'm a superstar in the church. No, no. You've been given certain gifts. Do them well. Use them according to the faith that you've got, according to the power of the Spirit, and accordance with what God's given to you. So some people think, oh, God's not given me any gifts. Yes, he has. We need to understand that. Some people think, oh, I've, I've got loads of gifts. I don't need anyone else. Yes, you do. <laughs> it's good that God gives it that way. God knows what he's doing. And actually, it helps us not to feel guilty that we're not like someone else. Um, I've just talked about Joe. Joe. Joe, before now, has talked about some of the dreams that God has given him. God gives him dreams. And he speaks to him in dreams. And sometimes it reveals things about people and reveals things about situations. I've heard so many stories, really helpful, really great. But you could sit there thinking, God never gives me dreams. God doesn't give me that. Oh, I must be useless, Christian. Listen, that's what God gives Joe. There's other gifts that you might have that Joe doesn't have. We'll not list all the gifts that Joe doesn't have. But, <laughs> but people have got, some people like, like Kara, I think she's sitting over here somewhere, Talk to Kara. She'll talk about conversations that she has with people 
where she'll go up to someone and she might not even know them and she'll, she'll pray for them to be healed and they get healed or she'll start talking to them about Jesus and they'll, they'll be interested or she'll invite people to church and they'll come. And some of us think, I can never do that. Well, that's because Christ has given Kara certain gifts and he's using her to, in those ways. It's no good you thinking, oh, I'm useless at that because you just go down the tubes. No, that, maybe that's not what God's given you. Gary can speak at prayer t- about prayer and about his prayer times. And you think, my prayer times aren't like that. I'm so unspiritual. No, God has made you different. God has given you different gifts. God gives gifts as Christ apportioned them. We've all got different gifts. Some of us get larger portions. Some of us get smaller portions. No one is left out. It's not a, ma- it's not a measure of how much God loves us. To each one of us, grace has been given. And Paul goes on and he tries to explain in these next three verses and he starts talking uh, about Christ ascending on high and taking captives and giving gifts to his people. And at this point you might think, this is all getting a bit complicated. This is all getting a bit weird. I don't understand it. That's okay. You don't, don't worry about it. Peter didn't understand what Paul was talking about a lot of the time. He said that. He said his letters contained things which are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. So, let's have a look and see what he's saying. Paul is saying here, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. He's actually quoting Psalm 68. He's quoting Psalm 68. Here is what Psalm 68 uh, verse 8 says. I can't even read it. I haven't got it written down here. He says, when you ascended on high, you took many captives, you received gifts from people. Now, some of you, if you're very observant, you'll have noticed there's a difference there. Did you spot there's a slight difference between those two verses? So what does that mean? Because in one, it says you received gifts from people. And here, Paul says you gave gifts to your people. So has Paul not really done very well in his memory verse classes? Or is he just twisting scripture to suit his own agenda? Um, Well, no. Actually, it's two sides of the same coin. What he's talking about here is when princes or leaders go out into battle, if they get the victory in the battle, what they do is they take people captive, they capture the enemy, and what they would do is they would chain them, and, uh, and, and, first, and then they'd plunder the city, so they'd get all the treasures from the city, they'd take those treasures, and then they would ride home victorious, and the enemy are kind of shuffling behind in, train, in chains, They take them home and they've got all these gifts and when they get back to the city, they would share the gifts out among the people who'd helped with the battle. They would share those gifts out. So there's a taking gifts, taking things from people and then sharing them out, giving them to people. That's what it's referring to. And it's two sides of the same coin. There's a taking and there's a giving. And Paul's saying that's what happened with Jesus. He won the victory for us. And maybe it didn't even look like a victory at first. Like Joe was saying the other week, last week I think, uh, Jesus came down from heaven to earth and he's got nowhere to live and he's got no money and he's poor. You know, it talks about him descending to the lower earthly regions here. That's what Jesus did. He descended. He lived amongst us. He didn't have any money. He had to borrow a tomb. He wasn't going to stay in it for long, but he borrowed it. He was God in heaven who came down low. It was like 
almost like you can imagine him in an elevator and he's descending low to the lower earthly regions. Then he went even lower, lower down to the basement almost. He died a humiliating death on the cross. He'd never sinned, but he became a sinner for us. He took on all of our sin. He took on the sin of everyone else in the world. He was separated from his heavenly father for the first, for the only time. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was mocked by people. He was mocked by the hosts of hell. He was as low as you could go, but he went to those depths as our vanquishing hero because it was there on the cross that the victory was won. He triumphed at the cross. He defeated all the principalities and powers which were against him, which were against us. And then he started his journey back up. He started to ascend again. He was raised from the dead. He didn't just come back as Jesus of Nazareth. He continued to ascend. He ascended on high. He ascended to heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, higher than all the heavens. It's almost like if you get the elevator picture, it's like if you've seen Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and he, they get in the elevator at the end and they burst through the roof and they go and they're higher and higher and higher. Jesus wasn't in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. But he's now higher. If that's not helpful, don't worry. He's now higher than every ruler and authority. He descended low and now he's gone high. And when he ascended, he took captives with him. The enemy powers... Those enemies, those demons, the devil himself, bound, humiliated. They thought they'd conquered him, but no. Colossians 2 says, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. He's humiliating them. He's like got them in chains. People are seeing them. No, you've been defeated. He's brought down the power of hell. He's humiliating every demon, every unclean spirit. And now Paul says, and now he's sharing the spoils of war with us. He's sharing the spoils of his battle with us. But we never even took part in it. We didn't even take part in the battle. He did it all himself. But yet we're in him, so we get to share in his victory by the grace of God. We're in Christ. We didn't die the death, but we're in him. So he gives us gifts. He gives us the spoils of war. What grace, what mercy are given to us. And and Paul's going to go on and talk about some of these gifts. And some of the gifts are people. He's going to talk about apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. But it's more than that because the Holy Spirit was poured out. The Holy Spirit was poured out after Jesus went to heaven and ascended on high, after he returned home. That was the first thing that was poured out. The gift of the Holy Spirit poured out to everyone who believed the gift of the Holy Spirit and then different spiritual gifts given as Christ apportions them. And they're for us. They're for us. That's what Paul says. They're the, they're the spoils of war. That's what, that's what the victory was all about. They're not some kind of optional extra. They're not just an optional extra. We have to understand that. Some people think the Holy Spirit is some kind of spiritual add-on. Some, some thing that, oh, well, you can, take, you can take him or leave him. You know, it's all about what Jesus did. No. A lot of people who love Jesus are very nervous about the Holy Spirit. They say, oh, well, I'm, I'm satisfied without him. I don't, I don't need the Holy Spirit. Look, this isn't the icing on the cake. This is the cake. 
This is what God won for us. This is what Jesus won for us. The prize of the outpoured Holy Spirit. So we can all serve him in that supernatural power. We make a big mistake if we think that the Holy Spirit being poured out on us is some kind of sideshow. If you think this, what was going on this morning even, as we were worshiping God, as we were just in his presence, as the Spirit was moving, if you were like, oh, I'm a bit, I don't know about this. Listen, this is what it's about. This is what it's about. It's what's been promised through the ages. Joel chapter 2, 28. Joel says, I'll, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. That's what he's doing. That's what he's been doing since the day of Pentecost. That's what Jesus has won for us. Before then, it was just one or two people anointed by the Holy Spirit. Now it's everyone. Now it's widespread. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 26, I'll send down showers in season. There'll be showers of blessing. Jeremiah 31 speaks of a new covenant, different to the old covenant. He says, no, now I'm going to put my law in their minds. I'm going to write it on their hearts. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. In the past, it had just been words on a page. Words on a page, the law. Actually, that's what Psalm 68 was referring to. But the law didn't change anyone. The law didn't change people. The law didn't help people to live a godly life. But now the Spirit's come. So now God can write the law, His law, on our hearts and in our minds and our desires change. And we've got power to live out that change. He's called us to be a people of the Spirit. A people of the Spirit. Blessed by God with spiritual gifts. All of us with different backgrounds, different personalities. All of us filled with God's Spirit. And that's why it says when two or three are gathered together, God's with them. God dwells with them. It's the Spirit of God. Amongst us, we're all filled with the Spirit. That's what Jesus came for. To win the victory over Satan and his army. To make us into a people of his Spirit. People who have the manifest presence of God among them. Manifest presence of God. So as we conclude this, well, what do we need to do? What does that mean for us? Actually, the first thing we need to do is just believe it. We need to be convinced by what, by what Scripture tells us. We need to believe it. Do you believe this is who God wants you to be? Do you believe God wants you to be filled with the Spirit, empowered by Him, not having to battle to be good enough, but in relationship with God? full of power, full of the gifts of the Spirit? Or do, or do you think it's just about religion? We've got to believe it. We've got to want it, secondly. We've got to want this. Gary's already been talking about this this morning. And for some of us, this is where it gets tricky because we can have different reactions to the thought of being filled by the Holy Spirit. Some of us have seen what's happened in the past. Some of us who were older, in the 90s, things happened in Toronto to begin with, then across many parts of the world. Some of us loved it. Some of us embraced it. Some of us were nervous. Some of us weren't sure. Were you excited? Were you cautious? Were you concerned? Did you hold back? Some of us, we weren't even around in the 90s. But, but maybe some of us have been hearing about what's been happening even in this last week in Kentucky, in Asbury, at the university there. 
During the regular chapel meeting, the preacher preached a bit of a similar message to this one, really, highlighting that we can only really live a godly life when we encounter the love of Christ for ourselves. He's saying you can't live this Christian life without encountering God's love for yourself. His students were training to go and be um, pastors and ministers, and he said, look, don't go and think you can make any difference unless you've encountered God. You need to stay. You need to encounter the love of God. Don't dash away. Press into Christ. Press into the Holy Spirit. And, and people did. At the end of the chapel service, when people were supposed to leave, they didn't leave. They stuck around. And people are still there. It's going on 11 days later. People are encountering the love of Christ for themselves. I wonder how you feel about those things. But listen, we're not about Toronto. We're not about Asbury. We're about the Holy Spirit. We're about the Holy Spirit of God. That's who we desire. God says he will do it. He's promised us he will do it. But he wants us to want him. He wants us to thirst after him. Jesus says, I will pour the Holy Spirit out like streams of living water. He says, if anyone's thirsty, come and drink. If you're thirsty, come. It'll happen. I'll pour out the Spirit, but you've got to come if you're thirsty. Right at the end of the Bible in Revelation 22:17 says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. He says, as he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Ask it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Scripture tells us we have to be thirsty. We have to ask. We have to seek. We have to knock. We have to be proactive. Some of us might be a bit worried, what's going to happen when the Spirit of God comes on me? I, I don't know. I don't know what others are going to think. I don't know what others are going to say. Listen, don't be put off by any of that. Don't be put off by what might happen. Don't be put off by what you might do, what others might think. This is God. God loves you. David was full of the Spirit. He danced with joy before the Lord. And his wife looked on him. And she was disdainful of him. And she said, look, you've, you've humiliated yourself. She was more concerned with her statue as queen and his as king. She's like, you're the king. Look at you in front of servant girls. And David said, you know what? I'll become even more undignified than this. I'll be humiliated in my own eyes. He was saying, I don't care. I just want God. I just want God. I'm just worshiping God. Yes, we're going to be humiliated in the world's eyes. But we've got to get to that point where we just want more of God's presence, more of his manifest presence. We're called to be a people of the Spirit. We're not called to be a people of the church. We're not called to be a people of doctrine. We're not called to be a people of intellect or religion. If God had wanted a religious people, he wouldn't have sent his son. They already had religion. They'd had it. They got it. It wasn't any good. Why would Jesus have needed to come and die for his people if it was about religion? Jesus came to bring something completely different, refreshingly different, 
powerfully different his spirit we need to hunger and thirst for him we need to knock we need to seek and once we have the spirit of god living in us we need to hunger for more let's not be satisfied with what we already have yes it's as christ apportions it but as i said christ encourages us to get to receive more and god's got a lot to give god's a giving god he says eagerly desire we need to make sure we're not passive we mustn't be passive when we come to God. When God gave the promised land to his people, he said, everywhere you step, everywhere you put your feet will be yours. What a promise. You can, wherever you go, it's yours. Did they take it all? They could have had it all. They didn't take it all. You can read the story. They didn't take it all. They settled. They got satisfied with a little. They got satisfied with less than God had for them it's human nature to be just satisfied with a little but god wants us to desire him more the things of god are not for those who are passive or apathetic god wants us to be bold he wants us to press in to take hold of what he has for us like the woman um who who had the uh, um bleeding going on and there was the crowds and she pressed through the crowds and she said i'm going to come and i need jesus she took hold of him there was every reason not to. She said, I want more of God. I want more of God. She received healing. God doesn't want a passive response. He, does want, he doesn't want us to just go, oh, do what you want with me, God. I'm open. I'm open to what you want. It's not what he's after. He wants us to thirst. He wants us to desire him. He wants us to press through. He wants us to not give up. You know, sometimes we, we've just got to stir ourselves to do that. We can preach messages and hear messages like this. And then we can have a response time afterwards. And, and sometimes, you know, because I'm at the front, I can see people. And, and some people are really pressing into God. And some people are just like, now maybe there's a lot going on inside. So I, I'm not trying to judge too much. But, it, you know, I'm like, come on, we need to hunger after God. We need to hunger after God. We can't do it without him. We need him every day. We need to keep coming back for more. We need to keep pressing in for everything that he's won for us. He's got so many gifts, the spoils of war. He wants us. We want to take them. We need them to show the world what Jesus died for. Jesus said, you're going to do even greater things than I am. We're going to do that on our own strength. We need his spirit. We need his spirit. We can't even think about doing greater things than Jesus without the spirit of God. They're not just toys to play around with on a Sunday morning. They're not optional extras. They're tools to get the job done. He's called us to something. We can't get the job done without knowing the love of Christ poured into our hearts by the Spirit. They're at the heart of everything God wants us to be. We need to receive him, receive the gifts, take them, treasure them, use them for his purposes and his glory in the world. Then we need to come back for more. We need to keep coming back for more, more and more and more. It's not greedy when it's God. He's giving us what we need. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned to it. He comes, he returns to heaven, he turns to his troops and he shares the spoils of victory. So how do we respond? Oh, okay, yeah, maybe when I've got a bit more time, Jesus. Listen, he's won this for us at great cost. He wants us to humble ourselves and say, yes, Lord, I want to be part of this people of the Spirit.
in whatever you want me to be. We need to respond to God. So I'm going to ask Angelo and the team to come back up. And uh, I know it's great that we pressed into God this morning earlier on. So we'll see, we'll see what God wants to do. But come this evening and come next week and come when you gather on Tuesday evenings and come into your life groups and come when we gather together and be eager for God. Father God, I just, I just thank you. I thank you for sending Jesus, Lord. I thank you for, for God coming. And Jesus, you went to the depths. You went to the depths for us. You defeated the enemy. You humiliated him. And you got the spoils of war. And Lord, thank you for just sharing them out with us. Sharing them out with us. Oh God, we love that you poured out your spirit. When you, when you ascended to heaven, you said, okay, now's the time. Here's the spirit. Here's the spirit. Lord, it's what you want for us. And Lord, we come to you again. Why don't we just stand together again? We come to you again, Lord Jesus. And we want to press into you. Lord, we know the time's gone on this morning because... Actually, you were here with us. You met with us. So where would we rather be? So Lord, we come now and we say, maybe we're hungry for food, but you know, Lord, we're more hungry for you. We're more hungry for you. Spirit of God, just come in these last few minutes and just meet with us again. Lord, we want to be filled again. Holy Spirit, come fill each one of us, fill our hearts where we hunger for you, Lord, where we desire you. Just encourage you. Just speak to God yourself. Just tell him. Tell him you're thirsty. Tell him you're hungry. Tell him you're seeking him. Ask him to fill you. Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord.